I was out walking like Glenn said this morning during the week talking to the Lord looking for something for this evening and this verse just dropped into my spirit and it sort of if you want niggled at me all week until I decided to write it and it wasn't until Friday I thought I'm going to get into my study and I spent all day just seeking the Lord and writing and praying and and verse uh, sorry Job 42 please Just the one verse to open up with. Verse 5. Job 42 and verse 5. If you're looking for the book of Job, it's the one before the book of Psalms. If you can't find it. Verse 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the of the ear but now mine eye saith thee I think a wee bit of feedback maybe some of the other mics are on are they was it the DI yeah. thank you Billy let's read it one more time I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now Mine eye saith thee. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have prepared a place for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the ministry of the Word this morning. And we thank you, Father, for the ministry and song this evening to glorify and to lift up your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you now, Father, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit who will move among us and speak to our hearts and into our lives, change our minds and cause us who are wayward to return to you, who are weak to be lifted up and strengthened, maybe unsaved to repent and to turn to you and call for mercy. Thank you tonight, Lord, that you're here. You're not only one of our number, but you are the meeting itself. For without you here, Lord, it would come to nothing. So we pray in Jesus' name that you, Lord, would shut us in with yourself, that each and every one of us would be conscious of you, Conscious of you speaking and conscious of you touching, moving and blessing, convicting. God, that you would have your way and that you would anoint this man of clay lips with fresh oil. Oh God, that all things would be done for the glory of Christ. Help us to hear your word with our ear and help us to see afresh and anew with the eye of faith and glorify your son the Lord Jesus Christ for his name's sake we pray and for his glory we ask it Amen there are two gates in your head that's the title the two gates in your head and there are two gates in your head this evening first of all Job 
tells us the first one. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. That's gate number one. The ear gate. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Gate number one. Secondly, it's the eye gate. But now mine eye saith thee. That's the eye gate. You have the ear gate and you have the eye gate. And it's what we listen to and it's whom we listen to and it's what we behold, what we see that matters. Job was a man who God said was perfect or he was upright. He was righteous in the sense that he obeyed God to to the amount of knowledge that he knew God in. He even sacrificed in case something happened to his children who went out partying. But he became almost superstitious. He became almost relying on self to even keep family when he couldn't even keep self, never mind his family. But Job was the best, if you want, of a bad bunch. And remember this, brothers and sisters, that the best of men are only men at their best. The best of men are only men at their best. Here Job is speaking to the Lord, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, the ear gate, but now mine eye saith thee, and that is the eye gate. Job is about to come to the conclusion that it is God and God alone. Yahweh, he alone is sovereign. He alone is righteous. He alone is holy and justified in all his ways and in all of his doings. See, there are people who think God is unfair. People think God is unrighteous because of certain things. Well, why would God allow this or why would God allow that to happen? Listen, God is God. God is sovereign. And we must realize and come to the place where we say, Well, Lord, who am I that I might question thee? Job is about to come into that place. Job is about to come into the place where he realizes that he is not righteous in himself, but only the Lord is righteous. He's about to come in and see God with a clearer view, hear God with a clearer ear, and that through his two gates in his head, Job is about to know more about the Lord he says he knows. Job is about to see more than he's seen before and hear more than he is about to hear before. But look at verse 6 of Job chapter 42. Wherefore, because of his ear gate and eye gate, because of the two gates in his head, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I abhor myself. Now many people would say, oh, but we're not to abhor ourselves but to love ourselves. Brothers and sisters, why this is not telling us that we are to love ourselves. It is not telling us to go into a spin of self-hatred either. We'll look at it in a little while exactly what it really means here. But what Job is saying is here, he's saying, I'm smaller when I see myself in your presence. When I stand before you in your presence, he says, I realize I am nothing. 
And until humanity or man or woman gets to that place to realize, I am nothing, Lord, and you are everything. Until we get to that place, even as Christians, our lives won't change, it won't be bettered, and neither can a man or a woman be saved. Thomas Manton, the old Puritan, wrote these words. The best of God's people have abhorred themselves like the spire of a steeple. We are least at the highest. We are least at the highest. Notice that the diminishing of the spire, and hence Thomas Manton, likens this abhorring. When we'll look at it, as he said later on in the message. If a person wants to be saved, and for a person, if they must be saved, they must realize, first of all, that they are sinners before a holy God. They must realize that they are in need of a Savior, and alone is Christ the Savior, and he only. And they must realize their inability to save themselves, no matter what they try or endeavor to do. And again, a person, a believer, a man or a woman who follow Christ, who wants to know more of God, then must be prepared to be humbled. To be humble, like the spire. And see what God will do for them. What God will show them. What God will do for them. Job went from demanding from God. I want you to get this now. Job went from demanding God to do as he will. It's what men or women are like. They demand God as if they are God and he is not. And they demand that God be. They demand that God act. They demand that God do. And Job started to get into this frame of mind. He was demanding that God do. If you're God, then do this. If you're God, then do that. If you're God, then show me. Notice it went from demanding what God would do as to his will. He went from that to repenting. Job went to repenting, yielding to do God's will. Big difference. Nehemiah Rogers once said, Humility is the repentance of pride. Humility is the repentance of pride. And when we see people all the time and we hear pride until it's, it's in our eyeballs, you go to sleep at night and all you hear is pride. But it's every kind of pride, not just the LGBT, whatever else pride. It is all kinds of pride. And it's like the spire, it's thick and fat on the roof at the bottom. And it must disappear the higher we go. Pride must become repentant of. Job in chapter 13, if you will look with me, please. Job chapter 13. And verse 20. Notice what Job says to the Lord demanding of him. Job 13, verse 20. Only do not two things unto me. Then... Will I not hide myself from thee? This is Job speaking to Almighty God. Verse 21. Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. 
Then call thou, and I will answer. Notice what Job's saying here. You do this, and then I'll answer you. There's people say, God, if you do this, then I'll give my life to you. If you do that, then I'll come to you. Then I'll believe in you. Where were you at this point? And where were you at that point? And where are you now at this point? And God is speaking here. And Job is saying, you must do this, and then I will answer you. Verse 23. How many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and sin. He's saying to them, you think I'm a bad person? Do you think that I'm a sinner, God? Show me then. Do I not do the sacrifice? Do I not, let's put it into a modern connotation, do I not go to church? Was I not in CET? Was I not there that Sunday night? Does that not count? Do I not do good deeds? Am I not just a bad person? Well, am I not religious? Show me then. Surely this has expunged me from all guilt. And surely this has paid for all my debt. And surely then I myself am clean and clear from every transgression. You show me, God. And if you can show me, then I'll believe you. See Job's attitude with the Almighty here? How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and sin. Verse 24. Why hidest thou face and holdest me for thine enemy? Why are you saying that I'm a sinner, Lord? And why are you telling me I've transgressed against you? Why are you calling me your enemy? See, the Bible says if a man and a woman aren't saved and under the blood of Jesus, and they're worldly. They're enemies of God. And Job is saying, will you tell me? You show me. How am I your enemy? Speaking maybe to somebody tonight and you've thought this. I'm all right with God because I do. I give. I went. I done. I've been. The word iniquities here is the word of own. Verse 23. How many are mine iniquities and sins? The word iniquities is of own and it means my faults. Even a fault to be guilty of this iniquity, but it gives the idea from all perversity into the deepest depravity. And Job is saying, you show me even a fault in me. Lord, did you not call me perfect? But the word perfect there, as we would say someone is perfect, is not the perfection in Christ. It is not the perfection in Christ. It meant that he applied himself and walked uprightly to do God's will the best he could the most possible way that he could. But he was still a sinner. Even every Christian, even every blood-washed, blood-bought, born-again believer in this body, there's not one of us are perfect within ourselves. Thank God when he looks at us, because we're trusting in Jesus, we're perfected in Christ. Notice what he says here. Verse 23, how many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and sin. So we have the word sin and it means, show me the condition of my offense against you. How have I offended and caused you offense? And for the word transgressions, it's pisha. And it means, have I ever revolted or rebelled? Is there any of us who has ever revolted or rebelled against God's leading? Against God's word? Against the gospel? against what God has told us to do. Maybe we haven't let it on our hearts and we have rebelled against it and fought against him. And Job is the exact same here. And he's saying, God, you show me then. Sometimes we get to the place when we're in prayer 
We say, Lord, you show me. And the Lord shows you. You go, yes, show me. Not that, but show me another one. No, not this person or not that thing or not the other. Show me something else. Because there's things that we really don't want to deal with. And and there's things that God shows us. And even those who are unsaved, he he, he wrestles with them. He, He draws them. He speaks to them. And they fight and revolt and rebel against the gospel of saving grace in Christ. Make me to know my transgression and sin. Why hidest thou thy face and holdest me for thine enemy? Job is saying to the Lord, if you want me to speak to you, you do it my way. Then you show me what I've done wrong. Lord, why are you hiding your face from me? How dare he? How dare he speak to the Lord like this? We know he went through probably the worst of trials bar the Lord Jesus Christ, except for him. He's went through the worst of trials in the whole of Scripture and all that he has lost. And he's a human being, and we understand that. But now his heart is turning to where his anger toward God is about to be paid for. God is going to take him in to charge. Notice this. Job's demands of God are soon answered by the Lord. Would you turn with me to chapter 38, please? I'll get a drink while you're looking up. Chapter 38. Verse 1, please. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said... I want you to take note because when we go back to our original uh, reading here, we want you to see, now mine eye saith thee. I have heard of thee, but now mine eye saith thee. In other words, he's brought into a revelation he didn't have before. He's hearing from this whirlwind. He sees the, the effects of God in the whirlwind. It's like the wind blowing in the trees. Jesus says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and I hears the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so as the wind would blow the trees, you and I, if it's a windy day, we can see the trees blowing. Every, every Sunday morning, early in the morning, I get up, and if I, if I think it's a bit windy outside, when I open the curtains, and I look at all the trees, and I examine the top of the trees, because we're in a tent, I'm trying to gauge how noisy it's going to be with the wind flapping the tent. I can see the wind blowing the trees. And I would say to Alison, oh no, high wind's the day. Job sees the whirlwind and that's as far as he can see. But by the time we get to our reading, he says, but now mine eye seeth thee. And he realizes the holy presence of God. The reverence that should be before the throne has been lost to many people. The awe, the awe, A-W-E, the awe of God has been lost. The awe of the word is known as the fear of the Lord has been lost to many people. Notice what he says. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? What did the 
Lord's saying this to Job. The Lord's saying this to those who are saying the same today. Those who are against God and against his word and speak foolishness and and blaspheme his name and, and all of these things. And the Lord looks at him and he says, who is this? Who does he or she think they are that darkeneth counsel without even knowing what they're saying? Can you imagine what God is saying today? Can you imagine what God is saying when they're making all the laws and the rules and the regulations, when their sin is abounding and depravity is everywhere, that society is going to hell on a handcart? And, and can, can, you, can you see how God would say, Who is this who darkeneth counsel? You come to me with your dark words. Imagine the Lord saying that. Verse 3. Gird up now thy loins like a man. For I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Answer thou me. The Lord said to Job, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to doubt me? Who do you think you are to stand against me, to revolt and rebel according to my will, my word, and my doings? Who do you think you are? Speak in darkness. Who do you think you are? Then he's saying, gird up your loins. It means they used to wear skirts. Men wore skirts then. I was going to go into the clothing range there and start talking about the, the clothes, ladies. You know, they say you shouldn't wear trousers. Well, look, men wore skirts. Don't mean men should wear skirts today, by the way. But they wore these long robes. And if you aren't dressed like a man, then a woman would have had to wear trousers then. Because the men wore skirts. And Peter talks about girding up the loins of your mind that you can run. And he used to get the... Their, their, their garments, and they used to hoist them up and tie them around them like this. Tuck them in like a, it looked like a, a big pantaloon, you know. A, like a giant nappy on them. That's the truth. And they used to roll them up and tuck them in, and they could run. <laughs> Without them wrapping around their legs, and they would have tripped them up. If they hadn't, they'd been tripping them up as they're running. And the Lord says, Gird up your loins! Gird it up and start walking, Job. Gird it up and start walking with me. Get up your loins and start the race and run. Quit your nonsense. Peter says that gird up the loins of your mind. Come on, he's speaking of the same thing. He says to run the race. The Lord says, quit your nonsense. Quit your nonsense. Quit your gurning. Quit your moaning. Quit your complaining. Imagine the Lord saying this to Job. Has the Lord ever said that to you? He said it to me. You have to come into a, a sober mind on it. And the Lord says, now, quit yourself like a man. Come on, gird up your loins. Press on.
And the Lord says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. The Lord says, You will answer me, never mind me answering you, Job. I am God and you're not. So God answers Job with a challenge. Verse 4. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. This is powerful, you know. The Lord actually turns to Job and says, Okay, you know so much. Okay, the hawkings and the dockings and the professors and all this of the world. Okay, all of you uh, who, who are influencers on social media and all these people with a string of letters behind their name and think you're so smart and intelligent and trying to find out the works of the universe and the very beginnings of it and so on. You think, were you there? That's what he's saying. Were you there? Job, were you there? No, Lord, I wasn't. And who are you to tell me my ways, my workings? Who are you to stand against my ways and will? Take note of this. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. If you were to read chapters, the full chapters of 38 and 39, can Job explain the wonders and the phenomena of God's natural government is the question. That which I have spoken forth, that which I uphold by the word of my power, that which was only me, the Lord, at the beginning. He says, were you there? No, Lord. Can you explain how all of this was made in such an intricate detail? How the solar systems were made in such intricate detail. Can you, can you tell me how a bird is kept in flight and how the wings of the smallest insect is able to keep it in flight and the movements of the body works inside that which even are microscopic? Can you tell me all of that, Job? Can you, Ken? No, Lord, I can't. I can't. Then who are you to tell me what I should do? But who are you to doubt my power? And we doubt him all the time, don't we? We we, we question, we query, and that's a normal thing, but we doubt him. But Lord, you said you you could do this, but I believe you. Oh Lord, I'm not too sure. Isn't that true? Were you there when I formed the universe? Were you there, there when I spoke the words into being? No, Lord. Do you understand how all of this works? All of the, uh, the galaxies and universes and the stars out there. Were you there when I framed all of them with the word of my power and I keep them up? Everything spinning like a timepiece and moving in perfect motion together that man might live on this planet. Were you there? Did you set the bounds of the sea that will come so far to the shoreline? Did you do that, Job? Did you do that, Ken? Did you do that? No, then why do you doubt me? Why are you bringing me down to your level? Why are you bringing me down to where you are? 
Tell me if you've understanding, he says. And Job at this time is going, Lord, I'm sorry. He's starting to realize the bigness. The bigness of God. The greatness of God. The majesty of God. The almighty God. Job can't explain the phenomena of the natural government. And then the Lord turns it like this. How can he then hope to even understand the principles of his moral government? Think about this. If Job can't understand because he wasn't there the workings of all the universe and everything that is in it, then how does he expect to understand with his own mentality the morality of holiness? That's why with the Ten Commandments, you know, God's moral code. And people go, ah, they're Old Testament. and they're, they're, they're just, They just need torn down. And uh, Those stone tables put up outside universities and schools and maybe put up on a board on a wall, they just need taken down. That's all, that's all antiquated old stuff. And God says, you see, you can't understand the perplexity and the beauty of my law. You can't even grasp it. You're so intelligent, yet you can't understand it. If we were to be able to grasp more of it, if we were to be able to live by it, our nation would be different. Our lives would be renovated. Our government would change. Go with me, if you will, to chapter 40. Chapter 40, please. Let's read verse 1. Notice the Lord speaking. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 40. Moreover the Lord answered Job and said. Here God continues to speak. Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? Are you going to instruct me Job after this? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. (laughs) Now Job is starting to get the picture. Job is starting to move into from religious workings from a prideful mindset to tell God how to do, when to do, what to do and where to do. And Job's now entering into that place of spirituality where he's going to the fact that he's saying, Lord, I realize that I can't, I'm vile. See, today that's uh, uh, vile. To say I am vile is a four-letter curse word. It's a four-letter word. People say, I'm not vile. Yeah, maybe not to those you love and those who love you and even to us. You might be the nicest. You might be the most easygoing. You might be the the most friendliest person ever. But without Christ, 
God looks at you and it's vile. I believe the Lord speaks these words because he speaks his mind, but he speaks these words that you and I can get the grips just how he thinks and what he sees of man and woman. But when you're in Christ, when you've been to Calvary, when you've repented of your sins and you've been washed by faith in the blood of Jesus and you're trusting only in him, He sees you as he sees his son. Perfect. He sees you clean. He sees you pure. Oh, you'll make mistakes, of course, but he sees you pure. He sees you like Jesus. Take note here, if you will. Job says... Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I have nothing to say. I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will not. I proceed no further. Job says, Lord, I'm saying nothing. I'm saying saying absolutely nothing. I'm sorry. I'm saying nothing, Lord. I won't say any more because I realize you're holy. I realize you are almighty, the almighty. I realize that you're the purest of pure. And I'm vile. Now, this is not self-loathing. But when the Holy Spirit shows you your sin, it's loathing of sin in yourself. I want to say it again. This is not about self-loathing. But when the Holy Spirit shows you your sin, it's about the loathing of the sin in yourself. And hence it brings us to the place where we say, Lord, I'm vile. I'm a sinner. I've tried all of these things, Lord. I've done all of these things. I've been to the church. I've I've been a good person. I've tried my best. I used to go to Sunday school or I've been through the through all the rituals and the ceremony. I've been to that tent up there in CET and Hunters Hill Road in Guildford. I've been there, I've been there, Lord. But I'm still a vile. Because the Holy Spirit shows you that if you're not saved, the need of salvation because you can't get rid of your sin yourself. That's why Christ died for you. That's why Christ died for you. Now when you trust in him, your sin is laid on him, imputed to Christ, and his righteousness is imputed unto you, and his blood pays for the fullness of your debt of sin. Job You don't know how the earth and all else was created. Job, you don't know how your own world, your own surroundings even work. Job, you don't know how to sort out your own problems, your own thinking and your own mindset. The eye gates see so much. Job, your eye gates see so much, but not all things. 
The ear gate hears so much, but not all things. The ear gate hears so many voices, but cannot hear the word of God. Job, your eyes are saying, oh, I must do this. Yes, that doesn't look right. That's very good of you, Job. That's very good of you. That's very good person, man, woman, whoever it may be for this evening. And God says, yeah, that's good. That's good. But you're still a sinner in my sight. The eye gate and the ear gate in your head takes in the world. You listen. You listen and you see it. The eye gate and the ear gate take in the ungodliness of everything that's out there. And the eye gate and the ear gate take in the teaching of all they have to teach you. Programming you from your little right through the years through television, cartoon programs, And they then bring you through different programs. Everything is to program your mind. And the unnatural becomes natural. That which is evil has become good. And that which is good has become evil. Darkness is put in place for light. And light is put in place for darkness. And they have you programmed to listen to what they say. To see what they do. And to follow suit as they tell you. The eye gate and the ear gate take in the perversity of their teaching and the eye gate and the ear gate take in the foolishness of all they have to offer. And many see God's creation. Notice many people see God's creation and still they cannot understand God's natural government and they have no hope of seeing or understanding God's moral government. Especially when they take it out of government. Especially when they take God out of everything. Especially when they take the gospel out. And I told you there just a week or two ago how they're trying to stop the Bible being read in public now, saying it's illegal. Well, now they've started arresting people for doing so. You're not allowed to protest or even do a witness outside an abortion clinic or anywhere near it, but then you're wrong for trying to save life. This is your ear gate, the two gates in your head, the two gates in my head. Listen, they can't see or understand even all of what is around us, God's natural government. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day on the day of speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Notice, here the Lord is telling us through the psalmist, God has set all of these things, the natural government of God setting everything in its place in space and on the earth. And God is saying, surely a timepiece means there was a man who created the timepiece. If I show you my watch here, and you take the back out of it, and whatever's in it, I've never took the back out. If you take the back out of it, there's sure little springs and wheels and cogs or whatever there is, uh, and they're all moving to give me the time. How do they do it? I don't know. I don't understand it. But I know someone sat down and made that. I know there was a, a maker of that. And God says, in my natural government, 
Look at the sky. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Look at the stars. Look at, as you were with your telescopes, trying to see out into outer space. And you're trying to find out the origins of everything? You can't even see past space. Never mind into my heaven, he says. And you're trying to understand me. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Notice day on the day utter speech. If you're taking notes, see that word uttereth, speech, uttereth. Put a line under it if you're taking notes or write it down. I want you to notice this. The word uttereth here is the word nabah, and it means ready to pour something out, to pour out, like you pour water out of a bottle or something. To pour out. It also means to gush forth. To gush forth. When something is gushing out, gushing forth. And for example, the word uh, utter speech, and then in verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Uh, the word speech there, the English word speech, S-P-E-E-C-H, is in your King James Bible 48 times. 48 times. But the words used here in these two instances in, uh, uh, that we have read here in Psalm 19, the word is emer. Amer. And it's only used, the word amer for speech is only used six of the 48 times. So six times this word amer is used. And it gives the, it gives the idea that God's uttering words, God pours out, God gushes forth. Words for us to grab hold of, to understand. And now in the heavens, when you go out tonight, and if there's a clear sky and you see the stars in the sky, it's gushing forth to you that he is still God. It's gushing out to you and I that he is still in charge, that he's still in control, that he's still on the throne. It's gushing forth. It's pouring out like speech. He's saying, I am God. Who are you in my presence? But to his children, he says, I am God, and you are my child, and I love you. There's no excuse to say there is no God. must round this up. Job 22, please. I want to show you this word for utter speech, Navah and Emer. Verse 28. Thou shalt decree a thing, and that shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy waves. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say there is a lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. See the word decree? Job 22 and verse 28. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established. It's the exact same word for uttereth. Nabar. You shall gush forth the word. You shall gush forth the word to them. And when they're weakened down, 
He says, when they're humble, I will save them. Like the spire going to the top. Thinner at the top than it is at the bottom. God's natural government gushes forth decrees of speech, but the natural man can't receive it without the Holy Ghost. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Notice the natural man receiveth not the things of God. Do you know when you're talking to someone, they're not saved, or they're even rebellious against the Lord, and they're they just don't want to know or even those who you're talking to and it's like talking to a brick wall you know when you want to shake them sometimes you want to wake them up can you not see this God's gushing forth from the heavens to say I'm here I'm God where will you spend eternity God's speaking to you by the very stellar uh, constellations God is speaking to you by the stars in the sky by the creation by the birds that fly by the insects on the ground by the flowers and the grass and the trees that are growing and he's going do you not realize that I am God and you will one day stand before me but the natural man he sees it all I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear Jesus but I don't really believe it. I've seen with the eye, but I haven't seen him. The natural man hears the word. So keep course. Listen to what it means. Worldly-minded, soulish man. The worldly-minded, soulish man. Listen, the man with an affinity to natural and sinful propensities. The man still in Adam with sensual desires and affections. And this speaks of the powers and the endowments of the unregenerated human nature from Adam. In other words, oh, we're in Adam. We're of Adam's race, with Adam's genes. We're all we're in Adam. But we're not in Christ. And if you're in Adam, you die. If you're in Adam, you're sinful. You're vile. You can't understand these things. That's why the Holy Spirit must speak to the man and woman and they realize there is a God. I must get right with God. I'm a sinner. Hold on, vile in your presence. Now, before it's then, because if it's now, you can be saved. But if it's then, you'll be lost for all eternity and stand in judgment before him. Listen, the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Nicodemus was a man who taught the Jews in the ways of Judaism, and Jesus said, you don't even begin to understand the things of God, and you're dotting T's, or dotting I's and crossing T's. It was one or the other, wasn't it? This is what Jesus is saying. And if you're not saved, you must be born again, he said. Except the man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then he says, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Why? Because then you can say, my eye has seen thee. It's the eye of the Spirit. 
they have the Holy Ghost. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. The ear get. Paul tells us in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What's your ear get hearing? Is your ear get hearing the gospel tonight? Christ died for you? What's your ear being filled with? What's your eyes saying, oh, Oh, look at the time. I wish you'd hurry up to get back here. I'm sort of glad that football's over. Well, it's over for the English anyway. Um, see, last week, somebody didn't like me saying that, you know. And they came online and gave off to me. <laughs> I just don't like any football, but you know, it was just their wokeness I didn't like, you know. Don't like their wokeness. Notice this. What are you listening to? What is it all you can see? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 5 says, but now. Notice the words, but now. I couldn't see this before, Lord. I couldn't grasp it before. I couldn't understand this before. I went to church before even. I've done this, that, and the other. I went, Lord, and I went through all the ritual and the ceremony before. I've done it all before. But now, something's changed. Something's changed. But now, mine eyes see a thing. Speaking of the spiritual eye, the spiritual vision. Yes, I see that Christ died for me. I see that he shed his blood for me. I see that he went to the grave and he took my sins and his own body on the tree. And he paid my debt. And that he rose again the third day for my justification. But now, mine eyes see a thing. When you get to that place... You call for mercy, you go, I abhor myself. Notice how Vile says, and I goes, I abhor myself. So let me finish with this. I've too much material. Listen. This is what it means when he says, I abhor myself. It means that Job is saying, I must decrease. He must increase. John the Baptist said that when he seen Christ, didn't he? He says, I must increase. But John, you're filled with a spirit even from your mother's womb, yeah. But see him, see him, see this one. I must decrease and he must increase. It's all about him. It's like the spire that we're heard of. We come to nothing, not even rising, but rather depleting. Gives the idea to shrink down. The outpouring means, I am nothing in the presence of holiness. I am little in the presence of your greatness. I am a sinner at the foot of the cross.
heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now am mine eye saith thee. Listen. You know what it's going to take for you and I, brothers and sisters, to be able to stand before him in that day when Jesus comes? You know what it takes? Yeah, we're washed in the blood and we're saved. We're his for all eternity and all. Absolutely. It takes the changing of the body or he would consume us in his presence. When he returns, he will change this vile body to be like unto his own glorious body that we may be able to stand as blood-washed throng singing our praises of Christ. And if you're not saved tonight, here's what it's like for God's people who caught a glimpse of his glory. Daniel said, when he seen just a vision of what he called the glorious man. He says, and he says, I, my, my comeliness. Daniel, who prayed three times a day. Daniel, who was so devoted. Daniel, who took a stand. Marvelous. And this is what he said. My comeliness turned in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. Huh? The presence of God. He just, everything he thought was good turned into corruption in the presence of holiness. We can't even begin to grasp it. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 6. Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. What? Isaiah the prophet. Woe is me at the vision of Christ on his throne. Listen to John. In the Isle of Patmos, caught up in the Spirit. He said, I was in the Spirit in the Lord's day. Listen to what he said. And when I saw him, he's only seeing a vision. He isn't even seeing the reality of it. The presence of it. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Eh? John felt he just died in the presence of Jesus. His holiness. His holiness. His majesty. His glory. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Listen, I love this. And he laid his right hand upon me. Hallelujah. And he says, I am. (laughs) Notice he's saying, I'm God. Oh, I am. The first. And the last. Takes the hand of God to raise us up. Are you saved? I will just stand in his presence. Peter in a boat. Seeing a miracle alone, let alone all his glory, veiled in flesh. He says to Jesus, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Big Peter himself, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And there he is, in a boat, in the Sea of Galilee. And because of a great miracle, he falls on his knees. 
that is even in veiled glory of Christ in his flesh. Just apart from me, for I'm a sinful man. John says, I fell at his feet as dead. Isaiah says, woe is me, I am undone. And Daniel says, my comeliness turned in me into corruption. And I retain no strength. They all thought they were going to die in the presence of holiness. A sinner without Christ will be consumed. His presence. And you and I will be changed to stand in his presence through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless us tonight. God bless his word to us. Watch what you hear. Hear me? Watch your ear. Watch what you see. Watch what you see. Watch what you're listening to, you'll cause fear. Watch what you're listening to, causes anguish. I told you before, Pastor McConnell said to me one time, Son, if you let your ear be a dustbin, you're going to get your head full of rubbish. Don't let your ear be the gate into your brain and your head and your spirit. Watch what you listen to, watch what you watch. Watch what your children listen to and watch. The Lord bless us tonight. Tell me to come up, please.